Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. I am your host, Jake Abrams, alongside Nick Yurko, a.k.a. the Duke of Hobbies. Nick, how are we doing today? Good, Jake. Good. I'm doing... I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited, I'll be honest with you here. Oh, why is that? Well, I think we have a pretty, you know, we've been talking about having this guest on that we've, you know, I'm I'm hitting to pretty early here for a while now. So I'm excited about that. And the other thing is, um, we have some really cool cosmetic things coming down the pipeline that. Yes. You you showed me a small taste and I am so pumped (laughs) because, I mean, our logo is kind of just a placeholder right now and it's kind of i did it garbage. in powerpoint in like a, in an hour yeah <laughs> Real quick. I am, i'm thankful for that quick like you know logo that we have but in general it's not the greatest oh, um, we knew but that. we knew that. <laughs> yeah it's just a placeholder so yeah so yeah yeah so I, I just our listeners and everything i can't wait for them to get all you know we got some cool stuff coming down the line but how about yourself yeah. though how are you doing I'm doing good. Uh, I went and picked up my prize from our league, uh, from our past league for winning, cha- uh, winning the championship. Got an ETB of Vivid Voltage. Ooh. Got to open that up today with my son. Um, and did you, get those, I, did you get those chunky chew cards? I did not. I oh, I thought I did it first. So we opened up the. He opened up the first pack, and he kind of like I saw. Uh, like the rainbow uh, silver edge. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. First pack. I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, no, it was just a Galarian Farfetch. So. <laughs> but it's okay. I turned uh, those code cards into some gold Leon. So I actually have four gold Leons online now. So oh I'm pretty my. happy about that. <laughs> You're really decking out your, your, your You deck know, I now. love to deck out my stuff. I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> but anyways, that's enough about us. Um, I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, he's actually been helping me uh, with some coaching to try to up my game. And that is uh, Luke Morsa, uh, a.k.a. Celio's Network. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I am kind of settling into the beginning of my winter break from classes and internship. And so... It's kind of just all Pokemon for me right now. All content creation, coaching, playing, um, organizing my collection, maybe investing in some more cards. But yeah, it's like all Pokemon for me for the next month. So well, that's a I'm good thing. Happy about that. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should be a good winter break. Yeah, for sure. Luke, every time we have a guest on, we like to do a, our, our standard set of four questions here. And, you know, First question that we always ask is, who's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon is Dragonite. Um, usually when I answer this, I kind of say, ah, it, it might be Blastoise, but I always mm-hmm. feel like that's just too generic because he's a starter. So my favorite Pokemon overall is Dragonite, but if I had to pick a starter, it would be Blastoise. Well, that was kind of leading into um, the next question kind of is, uh, is the favorite starter. So would that be a Squirtle then? Yeah, yeah, the favorite starter to actually like the basic version, yes, uh, Squirtle. Yeah, no, that's a that's a solid choice. I think most people so far have said Squirtle. Yeah, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think we we haven't gotten a Zard yet, and we haven't gotten a um. I I, I think we've gotten one. Uh, we got two Toadiles actually. Oh, Totodile's yeah. hype Totodiles, too. Yeah, yeah, 
when I uh, when I was little, I just naturally went into the for alligator line in mm-hmm. second gen since I liked Blastoise in first gen. All right. Uh, so, what's your favorite card in the game? Now, this could be uh, all time, uh, any you know, current cards or in the past and everything, or it could be just artwork, whatever you want. What's your favorite card? Ooh. Wow, I could have sat on the Pokemon database for a few hours before the podcast when I knew this one was coming up. Um, what is my favorite card? I think I have to go with Alakazam for Mysterious Treasures. Um, it has the uh, it has the power cancel ability, which uh, well, not ability. It's a uh, Poke Power, and it reads um, once during. Oh, so if on your opponent's turn your opponent would use a Poke Power, you may discard two cards from your hand and uh, they do not get the effect of that Poke Power, but it still counts as the Poke Power being used. Wow. So back back then, Poke Powers and Poke Bodies were separated instead of abilities. And basically, Mm -hmm. Poke Bodies were the passive ones, like uh, something that says nobody can blight items. And Poke Powers would be something like the Dene using Dene Change like an yeah. instant one-time ability. So, like, let's compare it to, like, uh, Make-Do with Chinchino. So, in this case, if your opponent used something like Make-Do, they would discard the card for the effect uh, to use their ability, or they would try to use their ability, and you would yeah. discard two cards to cancel it. Now they cannot use it anymore. Oh, wow. Um, so they I, couldn't use it the rest of the turn. That would be awesome if that can come back into the game because it would add another, you know, dimension to uh, the gameplay, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, there are two like that, um, and they were both in the Diamond and Pearl era. So that was Diamond and Pearl Mysterious Treasures. And then the next one was in Diamond and Pearl Platinum base set, um, and that was Power Spray, the, uh, the Team Galactic uh, tool, which hmm. was uh, if you have at least three Pokemon SP on the board, which were Galactic's Pokemon, um, you could play this item card on your opponent's turn whenever they activate a Poke Power to cancel their poker power. Dude, that's a solid choice. I think that's my favorite choice so far. It's <laughs> yeah, a good one. That's a really neat one. I like that. And yeah. The I'm looking at the card neat. too. It's a really cool looking card. <laughs> yeah. So like back then in the DP era, I want to say that Mysterious Treasures was 2007 or 2008. That mm-hmm. that set came out. Um, like a, a basic and then stage two line with some rare candies, just a 101 line was a popular tech. Another one would be like the Dusk Noir from Diamond and Pearl base set. So like you would see just basic stage two rare candy lines in decks frequently as just a tech mm-hmm. card, especially because back then rare candy, you could play on like turn zero to evolve a Pokemon right away. Oh, so wow, you wow. could get, so you could go first um, and evolve candy down that uh the Duskull into Dusknoir. Wow. Or uh, the Abra into the Alakazam to get your power cancel ready to go. So um, one one memory I have in particular was uh, when I was in seniors division, I was playing Machamp from Stormfront, and I either could fit in a 101 Dusknoir or a 101 Alakazam. I ended up going with the 101 Dusknoir, um, mm-hmm. and I just played that for, like, that entire, like, format however long i played that machamp deck with Dusknoir, but i always tried getting alakazam in there just because it was a card i really liked awesome that's, that's awesome cool. okay so our last uh just standard question is worst card 
currently for the game that you either hate for one reason or another? I mean, if I have to pick just one card, I feel like it has to be uh, Arceus Dialgopalki, a tag team. Yeah. Um, as much as I do want to add the caveat that I think tag teams in general are a poor card design, and I don't think just removing ADP really changes standard format because uh, we still have the speed of Pika Ram, uh, yep. the speed yeah. of what Reshizard used to have, and it's now creeping around like the Rogue area, Mewtwo. Just being able to slap down a big Pokemon that stays on the board for a while and you don't have to allocate deck slots for evolution cards. I don't like it. But ADP yeah. is the one that's been clearly the most problematic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That that those tag teams definitely have kind of warped the game into a faster kind of uh, pace. So mm-hmm. whenever uh, whenever we get rotation, I think if we have you know evolution lines down the line, just for basically any mainstay attackers, that that will definitely make the game more um, interesting and thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we're seeing in the Tablemon challenges that have been happening, it's really yep. cool to see Cinderace be one of the best decks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, so do you like the V, V-Max evolution line a little bit more just because of the fact that it's not the main, you know, the main form of that Pokemon until you evolve it? So I think it's hard to say. For, for what... For what we had, for the situation we were in, where Cosmic, Eclip- Cosmic Eclipse is over, or whatever the Japanese set was for that, and Creatures is designing their next uh, their next gimmick for Sword and Shield, and they have to make it something that's better than tag teams. Like, um, like when they make their new mechanic, it has to be able to at least equally combat with the old mechanic from the last set so people so competitive players will be interested in trying out these new cards yeah um so with tag team warping the power creep i think they had to make cards like eternatus and centiscorch as powerful as they did um because i think they obviously failed with the first line of emaxes because those still couldn't compete with uh tag teams um, I like so I like V's. They're fine, um, but they they take away the creativity of GX's because of the lack of a GX attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that V's can evolve into V Maxes. So uh, what I'm trying to get at basically is I think in a world where tag teams were never shipped, like we just never had tag teams, yeah. V and V Maxes. Maybe the V Maxes could have still been two prize Pokemon. Like maybe they would have never had to be three prize Pokemon, and we they could have just been lower power level. Um, and things like Zacian maybe could have done a little less damage because it wouldn't have to compete with the behemoths of tag teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think V's are fine. I think V maxes are fine. I would have preferred something more like level X from back in the DP era. Um, but V maxes are just super super linear, um, or at least they have been up until. Uh, the battle styles set that we just saw, or some of yep. it revealed, but most of the uh, like the star, the spotlight V maxes have been very linear. Um, <laughs> like Dragapult, you're never you never have two energy on it, and deciding between which attack to use, you're always going to use the <laughs> second attack. Like, right. and then Scorch and Eternatus, they only have one attack, so it's either you use it or you pass your turn. 
Yeah. Um, whereas GX Pokemon had uh, like an ability and an attack or two attacks plus a GX attack. And they most of the time, all of their attacks were um, considerations to use on your turn. Mm -hmm. uh, there yeah. wasn't always one great answer. So with the power level of VMAXs, I think... Um, I think it could have been a lot worse in terms of power creep. I think uh, they did fine with creating VMAX cards that could sometimes compete with tag teams, but not completely warp the game even more. Um, but on the, in terms of being very linear designs, that's my main issue with them. Uh, and then as far as Vs, I think the only V I think they really like overclocked was Zashin. Like they just gave it too much. But yeah. Um we see like we, we uh I shortly mentioned in the sword and shield on thing that Tablemon's been running. Zashin can be handled by single price Pokemon. So that's something good because in pre rotation it cannot because of ADP. Right. For sure. Right. Well talking about the the whole um battle styles coming out and being announced, um what is your first impressions of uh the single strike and the rapid strike uh, Pokemon, the Urshavus. Um, so the single strike battles, uh, single strike rapid strike mechanic. Um, I am very, very happy because this is something that I was discussing on my channel for about three weeks to a month now um, because there was a, like a blurb about the set given to Japanese card shops to start hyping up customers. And it said, we will be having new single strike rapid strike cards uh, that are Pokemon trainers and energy. Mm -hmm. So that got me really excited because that sounded like Delta species um, back in the day, or like a team aqua team magma thing as, uh, as where it's like going to be all of the cards are getting these new mechanics that are going to work together. So I was really, really excited about that, but I mm -hmm. tried not to get my hopes up too much. Um, now, as far as the, that was kind of like going into it. Um, I was hoping it would be something that brings more options to the game and like more better card design, basically, because I've yeah. been saying creatures really, there's been like this lapse from uh, the tag teams in unbroken bonds until now where uh, things got more linear, things got very, very big basic oriented, whereas early sun and moon was stellar. And then aside from early sun and moon, my favorites would be like Delta Species and Diamond and Pearl and stuff like that. So I always hope to see them go back to creativity and um, allowing skill expression. So now looking at these cards, um, there are so many things that made me happy seeing these cards revealed. Um, and it just so many things that even if these cards themselves necessarily don't change the game, I see a lot of signs that Creatures is going back to um, what made Pokemon TCG so great. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the things that I was really, really blown away by, because I never thought we'd get it, and we finally did, was the the text in the Empoleon V Emperor's Eyes ability. Um which that ability reads, as long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, your opponent's basic Pokemon in play have no abilities, except for Pokemon with a rule box. Yeah, This right. new rule box phrase just is world-changing for the game. Um, and so if any of the listeners don't know, it says rule box, uh, and then in parentheses, Pokemon V, Pokemon GX, etc. have rule boxes. Mm -hmm. a, uh, and a TPCI employee on Twitter um, kind of confirmed what this means. Uh, Mia on Twitter um, said that 
this is basically anything with a blank rule box. So it has to have the word rule in it. So like mm-hmm. the prism star rule, the V rule, the GX rule, etc. Um, and this is massive because we have never had an all encompass an all encompassing phrase for multiple prize Pokemon. Now this still yeah. isn't just necessarily only multiple prize Pokemon, but it includes all multiple prize Pokemon plus some other here and right. there mechanics. And this is big for future card design and even potentially erratas like mm-hmm. a card like Choice Band. Imagine if that said rule box cards instead <laughs> of just EXGX or yeah, like right. Milotic uh, from Flashfire that they had a ban. They did ban Milotic, right? Yeah, they banned Milotic. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like if that said attached to any of your Pokemon except for a Pokemon with rule box. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives us for the rest of the lifetime of Pokemon TCG, it gives us that possibility to have this rule box thing. So while Napoleon yeah. V seems like Eh, maybe it'll be good if there's really, really uh, popular basic Pokemon with abilities to block, but more so just because of the rule box thing, that card is just massive for me in showing that they're trying again. Because in my opinion, they really just got lazy with tag teams. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think with the whole rule box, uh, he's not maybe the best Pokemon right now. He's maybe just average. But it definitely just opens the window to different mechanics or, or or different choices down the line where this rule box can kind of be more more inclusive, I guess. Right. The best example I heard was with scoop up net for, for you know for say so like you know right now it says obviously G, uh, GX and Vs, but you know down the line if they put something in maybe it's in it rather or something that says like rule box scoop up net like you know you can't pick up anything with the rule box at all and that would that you know that's that would be huge and i think they even said like that was the fix that they were actually really hoping for i believe that was with the shaman and expanded well the shaman's gone now so well i know they already banned it there but (laughs) yeah so it's just it's it's just like yeah i'm i'm very excited about that i like the fact that they're you know, focusing in on and making a more, like you said, Luke, more encompassing role. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, so that's like the really obvious, like expanded format proofing and future proofing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other thing I see here that's both good and bad, but I'll talk about the good first is um, the mustard rapid strike stance and mustard single strike stance supporter cards. Um, so mustard rapid strike, uh, supporter, you can only play this card. If it's the only card in your hand, put a rapid strike Pokemon from your discard onto your bench then draw five. Um, so basically it mimics, uh, the Archies and maxi supporter cards from expanded, Yeah. Uh, but it works for only a single strike or rapid strike, depending on which mustard supporter you're playing. Now that doesn't mean you can get a V max or Shifu from the discard to the bench, but it has to be the specific one that you're playing the specific mustard for. And while that's very strong, they can always, always, always keep that mustard supporter in check because it only works with single strike or rapid strike Pokemon, depending on the, uh, depending on the mustard you're playing. Whereas mm-hmm. Archies and Maxis, 
they couldn't keep every fighting Pokemon and every water Pokemon in check for the rest <laughs> of the game. Like just thinking about, oh, how is this going to work with Archies? How is this going to work with Maxis? Like that would just limit those types way too much. And yeah. so while those were good cards for the standard format that they were in, um, those cards could never, those cards like can't like exist and feel fair in an 11 year format <laughs> uh, which expanded is which is why maxis and multiple pokemon that work with maxis have been banned in the past and uh archies as isn't banned because there's nothing like too degenerate that happens with it but it is still very mm-hmm. strong and expanded yeah like future checks everything that uh, i i think there are i think they're paying attention more and that's that's not easy to do and i think they're learning from mistakes and that's what we're seeing with those cards in my mind yeah and then also to add on that as far as learning on mistakes uh, i did notice that a lot of people on twitter have gotten um kind of surveys from from ptcg or tpci um about how to improve the game luke i, I think you you ended up having that survey yeah yeah uh some people actually shared the survey monkey the survey monkey link around mm-hmm. um because I, i'm unfortunately locked out of the email that my pokemon account is hooked up to and they don't let you change your email if you don't have it's a whole thing yeah. um okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so i couldn't have gotten the e- the survey email to me and i was like oh no i really want to take this but then people shared the link around and we were cool um so if any so if you guys need the link i'll give it to you after this. oh for sure yeah i i've actually <laughs> kind of looked for it i've, I've seen and i'm very interested in uh taking that survey I haven't had a chance to yet yeah so taking that survey was like a field day for me like i <laughs> i loved getting because i i told i told i posted this in my discord actually like i was looking into like getting a letter to creatures translated because i've looked into it and creatures will only take customer support or customer feedback if it's in their native language. Wow. Um, okay. They won't take <laughs> English. So I was going to see if a friend could like translate it for me or something if I wrote up a letter to them. Yeah. Um, but then this came out. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Um, yeah. Because all, because we can complain up until now I've thought, and I've also told people we can complain to TPCI all we want. They're not the one making the cards, but now we know TPCI and creatures are working together at least on some of the cards. Even if yeah. creatures gets the final say, TPCI employees are confirmed putting in uh, feedback for game design, for formats, for things like that. Um, and so this survey was huge to me because they asked very uh, they asked questions that let you know they're cognizant of the things that are wrong right now. Yeah, they asked about um, like a non GX non V format. They asked about would you like this game to be better for drafting or for cube? Um, oh wow! Do you care about the expanded or the standard format? If you answered no to either, why not? Yeah. Um, do you enjoy standard format? Why not? Or if you do, what do you like about it? Um, and then they asked some other things like how much do you spend on physical cards a month? Uh, how often do you play cards? They didn't ask anything specifically about PTCGO, mm-hmm. um, but they did ask a question. Um, overall, what's one thing that would improve how much you enjoy the Pokemon trading card game? So there I took the initiative to, because you could write in uh, for a lot yeah. of these questions. So there I wrote in about 
um, a competitive uh, a competitive ladder for the Pokemon TCG online. That would be amazing. I wrote in there. <laughs> Um, but for the other ones, like standard format, um, it also asks what other formats you played. So I wrote about, um, that was any time they gave you a box to write in, I was like in heaven. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you want to go into some of those answers though for us? Like, yeah, what yeah. was your, like, yeah, I, I would like to hear what you're th- more, you know, I know we're, we're diving away from our main topic, but this <laughs> is really interesting. I didn't yeah, know about it was this. Super so. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't remember it word for word, uh, but the one about standard format and what other formats do you play? I wrote in um, that, you know, I play 2007 format, 2010 format, uh, 2018 worlds. And I also play a format called EX all or RS through PK, which is just Ruby Sapphire through power keepers. Um, so those are formats that I typically play a lot. Um, and the reason I don't play, I don't enjoy standard right now is I what I wrote? I believe is that uh, the introduction of three prize rewarding Pokemon have compromised what the Pokemon TCG is, and mm-hmm. it literally feels like a different game to me playing standard. As someone who's played, I'm 26 and I've played since I was six years old. This is the yeah. first time that it's it's such a chore for me to sit down and play standard format, mm. um, and like because it doesn't feel like the game that I fell in love with, and that's what I have an issue with right now. Um, because I, I just feel like when you have a game that we've set the rules, it's six prizes to win and it always will be. And then you yeah. put out Pokemon that are almost integral to play. Like you you almost can't play three prize Pokemon right now in standard format to compete because of how strong they are. Uh, their checks have just been power crept out. Um, and when you get to that point and a game only takes two knockouts or you yeah. are playing a smaller Pokemon deck and your opponent's playing ADP and it only takes a few knockouts and games are only lasting four turns or five turns instead of 10 to 20, there's not a lot of time to enjoy the game. It's like almost like, um, I'm not sure if either of you play chess, but I'm sure somebody out there listening uh, plays yeah. chess. Um, imagine if every chess game... Uh, the first 10 moves were already taken for each side, and now you just got to play the mid-to-end right. game. Like That's what standard format feels like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wrote that in some kind of words in on the survey. Yeah. yeah um, you know, I, I think a lot of... What, you know, I, what a lot of people don't understand is that when we when we start talking to more veteran players such as yourself who've been in the game for a really long time, uh, you know, like they hear on the off cuffs, oh, the game's not, you know, I don't like the game right now. It's not out of anger for the fact that you know it's just that you know they're not liking you know you're you're mad per se. It's more along the lines you're you're upset because you've enjoyed this game for so long and you want to see it succeed and that's Absolutely. really like it, it's a passion yeah. and i think i think a lot of people mix that up sometimes yep. when they hear from an older player that they like yeah i don't really like playing standard right now and you know yeah. Yeah, like, you know, Jake and I, we're newer players, and this is what we got. You know, this is what we have right now. We It's harder for us to relate to that, but, it, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're, you're you're getting a chance to voice this, too, to newer players, too, that, that like, this is why. And I think that's yeah. very important. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and uh, I, I mean, recently I've been playing uh, past formats with, uh, with Steve, our, our local, one of our local guys, because he has, like, pre-made decks, and... I was just amazed at, at 
how thoughtful you have to be in thinking two to three terms in, a, in advance uh, um, compared to what we are at, at this point in standard where, like you said, it's like one to two knockouts or, or altercation boss boss win or something to that effect where you're, you're really kind of trying to um, set your board state up and even those GX attacks, they, a lot of them weren't even like powerful as far as offense. They were more of like draw support kind of. Yeah, a, they were like utility attacks a lot. Exactly. And even some of the like the GX attacks I refer to as bombs, like uh, you know, like two hundred blow up the other up the other person. Like a lot of times, those big like bomb GX attacks didn't even get the clean knockout without mm-hmm. either some earlier chip damage or like a choice band or Professor Kakui or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely um, awesome that you got to voice your opinion, especially being in the game so long. Hopefully they take that to heart and you know really make some changes for the better in this game. Um, not to say that I haven't enjoyed the standard because like, like Nick said, like we're, we're new to the game. This is kind of what we know. Mm-hmm. But it, if there is more of a thoughtfulness to this game and, and planning out ahead of time, uh, it, it, it just seems super exciting and fun for the future of the game. Yeah, and I think we're seeing evidence that we'll see that in we will see that at least try to return in the coming sets just to yeah. backpedal to the original question I think was <laughs> what did I think about battle styles the set? Yeah. Um just some really like on the surface evidence like we see the support pokemon being evolution, the Houndoom and the Octillery yeah. that were revealed. Yeah. Um and I think it's apparent that they want those pokemon to try to take a front seat in the support role. Yeah. Um, we see the Urshifu, both Urshifus, you know, they're three prize Pokemon. Okay, we can't just eradicate the VMAX thing because that's Sword and Shield's thing. Like, that's going to right. be here until Sword and Shield's over. But, yeah. you know, they the big the big three prize VMAX Urshifus, um, they aren't blowing each other up, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty tactical moves. Even, uh, I think, luckily, the single strike one that has the bigger damage, like just the linear thing, is the one that probably won't be played as much. I think the rapid strike is better. Um, yeah. And it's nice to see the better one being the cool and the fun and the thoughtful one to play. Right. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think they're showing that they want Evolutions to come back in because that's been a major complaint. Even the people that... Um, are newer to the game. I, I see a mm-hmm. lot of newer people that don't have the same complaints that I do, but they still have the same. Uh, why isn't this game about evolving when that's like yeah. the whole point of Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. We we're, we play Pokemon, and it's supposed to mean something when they evolve. And yeah. when you have decks that are just like dominating, like ADP or Picarom, and and you don't have to evolve, you just kind of do what they do. And there's no real thoughtfulness or, or, you know, another turn gap in between, you know, being able to do what they do. It kind of just takes away from that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I guess in, would, would you be interested if they right, like, if they're going to keep VMAXs for, you know, obviously for Sword and Shield, would they introduce a side standard format that's like, okay, no Vs only, but, and you have to play an, uh, uh, a basic to stage two evolution line in your deck somewhere. With you know, would that be an idea that's like maybe worth pursuing, or should they just kind of keep a simple, small set of formats for the game as they have right now? So, in uh, I'll I'll briefly jump over to compare this to Magic. Um, so, Magic Online, which is different than Magic Arena, 
Um, Magic Online is like a super uh, way older uh, mm -hmm. client for mm -hmm. playing MTG Online, but like they have so many formats on there. They have, you know, uh, Pioneer, which is um, they have Popper as well. Popper is like you can only play commons and uncommons, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, Legacy Commander, Draft Cube, all that. Um, and of course, they do have more people playing on that than I think play on PTCGO. But I mean, if they overhaul PTCGO, the whole world can be playing. It's Pokemon. The franchise is huge. Um, yep. So I don't have a problem. So to answer that, no, I don't have a problem with them introducing these formats that they encourage players to play. Like, you know, uh, no rule box format. That's what they could call it. Yeah. Um, a no rule box format. If it was just for PTCGO or something, they encourage you to play at home. Mm -hmm. I yep. never want to see that have to be something we compete in because that just means they can't design the card game well enough with the chase cards in it. They can't uh, mm -hmm. balance it. So for now, since we're stuck in this, I, I enjoyed like when we played in the Omni poke, uh, league when I play, we played single prize week um, and you weren't allowed to have any GX or V's in your deck. I yeah. enjoyed that. But what the ideal situation is if creatures and poke the Pokemon company, if they want to continue printing these flashy big Pokemon that reward more than one prize card, the ideal situation is that they would be balanced enough where we don't have to play a format without them. Um, which is why I am not an advocate of them making and uh, advertising and trying to promote a non-rule box format because mm -hmm. then they're just free to let these rule box cards run, run wild. And if you don't like them, oh, go play our, rule, our no rule box format. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's kind of why I don't like that. And I would just rather them see... I would rather see them try to take the design initiative that I know they can because Creatures has been designing this game since 1996. <laughs> There's never been another team that has designed it. They've been here through the bad times and the good times. They've been here through Slow King and Neo that had to get banned because the card was literally cracked out of its mind. Like, <laughs> um, and we've been, they've been here designing the cards through Diamond and Pearl and 2007 and 2007 and Diamond and Pearl are the same thing. Don't mind me. So Diamond and Pearl <laughs> and the early sun and moon before the tag teams, which are some of the like best skill intensive deck building, like thoughtful and fun and interactive formats. Um, yeah. And so I know these people can do it and I know they know how, and I, I know at some point they've wanted to design the card game to be like this. Um, and I'm just not sure if they are trying to, appeal to a younger crowd oh look you just can slap this pokemon on the board and win if that's like what they want to do like appeal to the younger kids with that or just I i'm not sure but they can make they've proven before that they can make cool flashy chase cards like the pokemon prime and heart gold soul silver and the amazing rares today they can make these awesome looking flashy cards that even make collectors buy them without breaking the game so um, I'd like to hopefully see them try to do that again, make these cool flashy cards that make people interested without yeah. making them also overtly powerful mm -hmm. and breaking the integrity of the game. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing those yeah. answers with us too. Cause I think those are, you know, again, we, we like to hear those kind of like the behind the scenes uh, answers. So really appreciate that. Absolutely.
That was super awesome. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of move on to the next topic. Uh, it was just announced a couple days ago that we're actually having a Players' Cup 3. So kind of go into your thoughts about the Players' Cup in general um, and your excitement level, I guess, for Players' Cup 3. Uh, so Players' Cup 3. I am super stoked that Pokemon TPCI t- t- uh, specifically is doing this for the players, having an online uh, circuit kind of where players can compete you know eventually get on stream eventually win uh, travel rewards for when we get back to traveling to ICs and stuff mm-hmm. um, I'm not I'm, I'm excited about the initiative and the thought that went into it more so than I am the actual players cup for myself because it's this current standard format of team up through vivid voltage yeah um and I'll probably end up having to play something I don't want to play if I want to win. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's probably going to involve hammers, tag teams, or both. And I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I'm happy that TPCI is doing this. At the same time, I've been saying that I like I believe in work smarter, not harder, and I believe they're working way too hard. When um, I think we'd actually be happier with. a a ranked ladder and maybe like some seasonal rewards and maybe a seasonal tournament like magic arena and legends of runeterra and hearthstone have which in theory should be way easier than putting together the players cup since direwolf digital who uh develops ptcgo also developed eternal card game which has all of that in it already Mm -hmm. yeah um but i know that tpci is you know, they answer to Japan and Japan might have a hold on what they can or cannot do with PTCGO. Um, But that's a whole other thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm super happy that TPCI is doing this for everybody. Um, I'm going to compete. The last time I didn't even finish all my keys for Players Cup 2 because I was more interested in like talking to my patrons and coaching clients and friends and trying to help them because like I just kind of... uh, didn't really give it my all because I was so fed up with the format. Yeah. Um, and now that's not saying that, you know, I'm saying, Oh, if I could have, I could have won players come. No, I probably couldn't have. Um, like I didn't have any like insane secret deck. I didn't have any deck that I felt super, super comfortable with. Um, yeah. And there's also variants in it as well, but um, you know, I'm going to try my best, try to uh, make everybody that watches my channel proud and see if I can do, well in the players cup three uh happy that they're having it not happy to play standard format <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so i mean i'm sure you'll be uh playing everybody's favorite deck uh adp hammers I, that's the rage right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i oh god seeing i i just it makes my face red thinking about because <laughs> it, it, if you like really look at the game from uh, the standpoint of what an aggro deck should be trying to do. Yeah. ADPZ should be only playing cards that gets it to alter creation and boss. Yeah. And hammers should not make sense. Like hammers should <laughs> not work. Right. But because of the volatility of standard format and how fast games are and how much weight a single energy attachment holds against decks like Eternatus. Mm -hmm. crushing hammers actually works in adpz and it just oh i i can't stand it i can't stand that it works (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i agree (laughs) 
Yeah, that's, oh, a, that's an interesting point. It really should. It, like, that deck shouldn't be playing a, a random chance of denying disruption like that because yeah. it actually has one yeah, yeah. goal. You're, you're trying to be you're trying to be aggro, like Luke said. Get your get your uh, ultra creation off and and then be aggressive to find those bosses for those knockouts. But having that option in in deck space just to throw those flip cards in is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. And it has that space because it's all basic Pokemon. They don't have to run evolution. Like yeah, so if, if we had, going back to like the whole evolution, if, if you had to set up like an ADP as like an evolving Pokemon, you wouldn't have the space for that. And that, that you know, that's just one more, you know, there yeah. is to, to, to that argument, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Players' Cup trying to... Um, you know, prove that it wasn't maybe a fluke as I because I made it last time and I'm trying to improve upon my score last time. And really, I'm kind of depending on like my locals and hoping they do well, but like kind of doing like a local test group slash thing. And then also um, talking with you and having you as a, as a coach kind of just talking about metagame, I think, depending on, you know, how these new sets are going to come into play down the road or just you know, what hot deck is coming up. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm trying to transition into uh, talking about your coaching and how important um, just, I guess, community and, and relying into a, you know, a, a small team, mm-hmm. how important that is uh, for, for every player actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I've been playing for a really long time. Um, now, most of my time in the game has been uh, like casual competitive. So like mm-hmm. going to the battle roads and cities, which are today's league challenges and league cups, um, going to like one local regional, going to like a couple state championships, which we don't have anymore. Um, just going to a couple big tournaments and all the locals, which is what was what I did for most of my life. Um because I was always doing something else on the side. I was never making Pokemon my main priority. I was never Mm -hmm. just the Pokemon person. I was in, in a band or in theater or going to college and trying to, you know, have a college life, things like that. Um, But when I really, really got into it back in 2016, um, having a group of people like you can't do this on your own. Like, I I truly believe, like, one person cannot just sit in their room and become, like, the best player or the best deck builder. Like, yeah, there can be, like, the stronger minds of a group, mm-hmm. but you're always going to miss something on your own, I think. Like, right. having different opinions and something that I think is so overlooked is having different perspectives of different skill levels and involvement. Because you could have a person come in from another card game that plays Pokemon every couple months and look at like a meta and just see something so obvious that was ingrained into your head was bad because it wasn't mm-hmm. played for so long. But they could just come in and look at something. Like um, I remember my friend that wasn't playing a lot like came in and looked at Lycanroc GX. And this was like right before Lycanroc GX became like a really, really meta defining card and he was like why isn't this being played it's like insane um but like most people weren't really looking at it yet 
Um, and so that's just like one example, but having a lot of different perspectives, um, also like divvying up the work, like when a new set comes out or a new format comes out, like, okay, I'm interested in this deck, so I'll test this. And somebody else in the group is interested in this deck. And then, you know, we'll meet back in a few days and tell and say how it went, or you can even test with each other. So yeah. finding a group is super important. Um, having a coach is helpful to accelerate your potential and accelerate your path and especially showing you where you're going wrong. And so you can fix that as fast as possible um, sure. because that's something you're not going to do if you have, if you're just playing at locals or if you're playing with a group of people on your own skill level. Um, this really only happens when you have somebody else that is, you know, like myself and Jake, like we sit down for 55 minutes um, some weeks and we'll play a couple games and I just watch his plays and I analyze everything he does. And at the end of the game, we discuss, you know, this might've been, uh, so why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? I liked this play. I didn't like that play. Um, and here's what I did. What do you think about this? What would you have done in that situation? Um, here, if you played it in this sequence, instead of that sequence, you could have actually drawn two extra cards, things like that. Um, and we fix those up right away instead of it taking weeks or months or maybe you never even figuring it out on your own. Um, yeah. And it's different for everybody, but um, I do think finding a coach that works with you and has a teaching style that works with you is really important. Um, now, as a player, I don't have all the accomplishments of someone like Danny Altavia or Zach Lesage. I don't have like NAIC finals and multiple, multiple regional wins and things like that. But um, I do have a background in psychology and education, and that's why I really pride myself in coaching because I feel that I personally have a way to communicate and help others learn. That maybe yep. some players, uh, maybe some players don't necessarily have just because they're a great player. Like, great player doesn't equal great coach all the time. Um, right, right. But yeah, that's I definitely think having a good group of players is the place to start. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And like, so I, like, just for example, for this, uh, the last meeting we had, we were playing a, what, a Picaron versus Luke medal. Yeah. And I was, I was a Picaron player. And at some point during like the mid game, I, I, uh, I got out a Tapu Koko, put him on the bench, but then switched into a Picaron needing one more energy. And in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm going to get it off the professors. Um, but Luke pointed out after game, I mean, I ended up getting it off the professors, but if I didn't, if, you know, the, the, the correct play would be to put Tapu Koko because he has free retreat. And if I, if I whiff the energy, at least I'm not putting my, uh, my Picaram in position to, you know, get my opponent to get three prizes or, or deny energy or something to that effect. So there's little things like that in the game where just switching into the wrong Pokemon can really just cost you the game right then and there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's like a classic example of like tunnel vision. Um, yep. Like you switched out Bolt Hund into Pika because, okay, this turn I'm full blitzing. But yep. uh, it never hurts you to switch out Bolt Hund into Coco. So if you whiff the energy, you could just retreat into Bolt Hund and uh, electrify again. Yeah. You know, get the most out of your turn. It gives you more options. And the more options you have as a player, uh, definitely just broadens your, your, win, your win con, I guess. Yeah, it gives you more outs to making optimal plays in suboptimal situations. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, you talk about how when it comes to coaching, uh, an initial look at it is in terms of making, get, catching early game understanding mistakes mm-hmm. and such a sequencing and, you know, under, uh, and looking at deck building and stuff. But, you know, what about like, as a player evolves um, and starts getting more and more, like, what do you do with more veteran players that are coming to you as a coach? Um, so I think my, my demographic of clients is typically, Hey, I'm getting close to top cuts or like I'm making it into day two and then like crapping after that. Um, or Mm -hmm. like my deck always seems less consistent than the other person's. Um, that's typically the demographic that is looking uh, for coaching from me, like trying to emulate what I did kind of. So like, I just set out one year. I'm like, okay, this, this year I've dropped every other priority. I'm getting my world's invite this year. And I got my world's invite that year. And people want to try to emulate that, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the demographic I get. I don't, I don't really have um, the more veteran players I work with. I wouldn't, isn't really coaching. Cause like the people like on my level, were like kind of learning from each other at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I think once, once you get to a certain level, I think you stop, like coaching and you just have your own group of people on your level or above you to work with. Um, Like it is a really smart idea. If you have people in your area or people in your locals, like that, you know, are very good. Like try, you know, try to be friends with them. Try to try to like test with them. Ask them if they have time for a game or ask them if they have time, you know, for to send a request on PTCGO and just get in with the players in your area or the people in your friend's circle, start learning from them if they're willing to help out as well. But like I was saying, the individualized help of coaching, um, I've seen it really help some of my clients. Um, and more so than just gameplay, like I'll, I'll have sessions with clients where we just discuss the meta for a while. They just want to pick my brain and learn how I make meta calls or yeah. um, they want to talk about deck building. And so we, we build out, uh, we, you know, we work on their deck and then fit in a quick game at the end to see how it's working kind of thing. Um, you know, you could really go for coaching for Pokemon for like any aspect of the game. Um, we even, I've even talked about like tilting and stress and stuff like that with my clients, um, you know, how to stay level headed after a misplay or, you know, in between rounds or taking it one game at a time, things like that. So, um, yeah, you really just find the coach who can meet what you need and go from there. So you mentioned, you mentioned in the past that you have a background in psychology and education. Is that what inspired you to become a Pokemon coach or was there other, some other motives? Um, so oddly enough, I became, I, I, I've always wanted to, I don't know, ever since coaching and Pokemon became like a mainstream thing that people could do and like mm-hmm. not be like shunned and say you're stealing people's money for it. Like esports coaching is a thing now. Yeah. But yeah. like five years ago, I feel like it wouldn't have been like mainstream to do this. Um, but I didn't want to start coaching because I knew my my accomplishments. Most of my major accomplishments don't start until like two to three years ago. So like, I don't have the long list of accomplishments like a lot of other players do that you can go get coaching from. So I didn't want to like put myself out there to coach and try to like 
make it seem like, oh, you should come to me. I didn't know how to do it humbly, um, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> so that's why I didn't start coaching until the pandemic. Um, it all actually started because I was writing articles for flipsidegaming.com, uh, four articles a month. And uh, they are a brick, brick and mortar store and a website. So they were shutting down for a little bit when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all right, well, uh, I guess it's time to start a Patreon. And I'm just going to write my articles on there and, uh, you know, charge people whatever a month to read my articles. And maybe I'll do like some kind of coaching discount too, because I had people ask me about coaching. So um, I kind of decided to market it as, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I have all these accomplishments, but I don't because I don't. Um, but I know that I'm a good teacher. Um, so it's kind of just something I've wanted to do. Like I've given uh, drum lessons in the past. I've given guitar lessons in the past. I've been a substitute teacher. I've been a peer tutor. I, um, what else? Chess. Uh, I've taught chess before. Um, I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. So I, I really, like the rewarding aspect of helping somebody figure out how to do something when I know they have the potential to do it. Yeah. Um, and I know people uh, like the way I speak and talk and kind of teach in my YouTube content as well. So um, yeah, that's, I, I can attest to that. I like those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, honestly, that's uh, that's kind of whenever I watched a lot of your, your, um, your deck breakdowns or meta breakdowns or just like set breakdowns, that's really what kind of appealed to me to kind of reach out to you initially uh, to, to coach because the way you explain things is just, it's very relatable and, and it's, it honest. Just, it's definitely been, it's, it's honest. And as long as you have a person that could just accept what you're saying is, you know, constructive criticism, mm-hmm. uh, that's just the way to do it. Like you can't, if you make a mistake, you just, you just realize you do it and you, you, and you you explain it in a way you know, that that really just is helpful for um, any player. I would I would assume at least in kind of like my boat or maybe below where you could if you just take it to heart. I mean, honestly, you can just move your game up to that you know that next level, which you know people might be trying to get to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like like I said, at the end of the day, like um, if you have the potential, you can get there eventually on your own. But yeah. the best way is to fast track it is get into a testing group with really good players if you can, um, yeah. and or get a coach. For sure, I mean, yeah, and and especially for newer players right now, it's it's really a great time to do that with this whole pandemic where there's not really any IRL play. I'm sure there's Players Cup and, and you know your your random online tournaments, but honestly, those aren't really you know that important compared to you know when regionals and worlds and all these irl events come uh back into play so this is the time really to cut your teeth and and get from you know a beginner or a a intermediate player to kind of get close to that level to you can compete with the you know big boys yeah a lot of people are doing that i'm really excited to see like the progress people are making over the pandemic Right. Yeah. I think I think the one thing that's tough for newer players who are trying to step up their game but they're having an issue is that like when it comes to the IRL, like after a game you get to talk to your opponent. And we said mm-hmm. this in the past, like mm-hmm. you you don't get to do that online. Mm-hmm. You know, even in if you if you're doing hexters and limitless and all these fun table mods and stuff, it, it's it's a blank 
you know, it's, it's a blank game. Like, you know, you play, you have to evaluate it yourself or you have to have it recorded and then like show that to someone, which makes a coach and a team so much more vital just because again, you don't get to see, you know, go back and forth. Like, you know, I, I, I told Jake, a good, another good example is like Jake and I sh- streamed or recorded our, um, our championship match in our players league in our mm-hmm. own little, our, our own players league. And like, He's like, ah, oh, you have this one. And he resets Sam's me out of just out of spite. And like, mm-hmm. he won the game because of that, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. but we got to have that interaction uh, and, and we got to talk that out a little bit. And so it's just like, it's one of those things that like, you know, I feel personally that again, being able to talk is so important to improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's little things too. Like, like uh, in that game, I believe, I placed the balloon early on a, on a Tapu Koko and it really kind of later on in the game, not that turn necessarily, but really kind of messed me up where I think you ended up taking that game. And it was just because I placed a, a balloon, uh, an item card too early when I could have just done, you know, my sequence wing a little bit better. And we talked it out and, you know, we, I, I hope I learned from that and just don't make that kind of mistake again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually ironic because I think I was just telling Jake during our <laughs> session the other day that I lost a game in my team challenge qualifier because I didn't put my air balloon down early enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the inverse of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, again, this, it's, it's one of those tough things. It's, you know, even, even when you're thinking, you know, it, like you said earlier, you can get so much, it's easy to get tunnel vision. And I think, you yep. know, it's one of those when not being able to really talk through and rely on someone. So, you know, I know uh, Jake's, you know, he talks a lot about the sessions that he has with you and we're definitely seeing (laughs) it pay off uh, for him uh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you know, have you, some of your other clients and stuff, um, that you work with when it comes to coaching, you know, you mentioned that you'll sit down just talk metagame or just deck building. Are there any other like, you know, game related topics that you might just sit there and talk about, even if you're not actually playing a game or is, you know, or has there been any surprising things that you've come across while being a coach? Yeah. Um, there was one really good one where uh, my client just, like I think like it was the most he'd ever gotten out of one of our sessions where we were practicing with uh, proxy decks, like over webcam. It was, mm-hmm. bef- I don't remember what set, but the set wasn't out on PTCGO yet. So we were doing that. Um, and I just like, he, I just let him watch me play like, uh, like solitaire hands through like shuffle my deck play like oh this is what i'll do this is my sequencing and let him just watch that and like fast paced me playing through my turn solitaire and he was like i just learned like five different things about sequencing just from watching that and so like the rest of the session we just focused on how to draw how to optimize how many cards you're going to draw um so like uh, the order of Crobat and Dedenne and research. Should you play an ability Pokemon or a supporter here? Do you want, uh, and then kind of like evaluating your resources. Like, can I dump this to draw extra cards or should I search out my deck to dump this? Cause I don't know if I'll need it later. So let's figure that out. Count how many are prized. What's in the discard pile. Um, like there's, there's a lot you can do in a coaching session or even with friends, like to just talk through plays um, but that that's one that's like really cool. And 
Um, it kind of depends where the person is. Cause like if a person, if I, I, a lot of times I'll have clients to come back like two weeks before a tournament or like the week of a tournament. So we have to have like a crash session, like, all right, we need to build you a deck cause you haven't played for three months and then we have to make sure you know how it works. Um, so for we don't, sure. it, it really, really varies with the client. Yeah. Hey, some of us are procrastinators. <laughs> uh, don't don't worry. I I am a procrastinator. <laughs> I have turned in many many papers this past semester, like five minutes or less before they were due. So <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't make so many content uh, or so many uh, videos for uh, Pokemon, and you'll get those. Yeah. In. <laughs> no, shut up, Jake. This is what I watch. Oh, I know. We we really really need them. Like he's my for sure my favorite. Uh, to, to you know really break things down um so i actually i one last thing i want to talk about just like competitive play and things you can do as like a, a intermediate player to or advanced um what are some just like high level um tips you have for just the metagaming in any specific meta um that you kind of do going into a tournament okay so um you want to look at the best deck like the deck that people want to beat so in the past some of those have been uh buzz rock um archie stoys maybe and expanded at some point a mewtwo mm -hmm. deck abilities are look at the best deck the one that like you so there might not be like a definition like you can't always like go on youtube and search what's the best deck right now and find an exact answer yeah. But this, it takes a little research, you know, peruse Facebook, peruse Twitter, look at recent events. If there have been events for a tournament, um, ask your different groups of friends, um, figure out what that one deck is that people want to play or want to beat. Then figure mm -hmm. out what people are bringing to beat that deck. Um, a really good example of this is something my friend Will Jenkins did in Toronto expanded regionals probably either two years or a little more than two years no, about two years because Picaron was out it was the mm -hmm. first expanded event with Picaron um and so everybody was hyping up Picaron I made a video about it on YouTube Mahone made a video about it on YouTube Table Mom made a video about it on YouTube just oh my god Picaron's crazy you have Max Elixir you have Tapu Koko Prism uh you have Electra Power expanded Picaron insane yeah. um so like this was going to be a pretty small tournament and everybody knew Pico Rom was going to be everywhere. Um, so because Pico Rom was going to be everywhere, so many people brought fighting decks, just fighting decks, Gallade from Breakthrough, Lucario GX, Buzzwool, just if it's a fighting Pokemon, people were bringing it. Yeah. And it, to the point where I think there were more fighting dot decks than there were Pico Rom at this tournament. <laughs> what will jenkins did was play trevenant because it cannot lose to a fighting deck um, <laughs> yeah. but it auto loses to picarom so he made the choice to lose to the deck that everybody was trying to beat because there was going to be such an influx of people bringing decks to beat picarom and these decks were single prize decks which trevenant beats and fighting decks so you were beating night march you were beating fighting decks, anything that falls under the realm of fighting decks, and then maybe you would also be beating just other like things that Trevenant has an okay matchup against. Mm -hmm. um, so there were, I think there were like 22 people that played Trevenant and like 16 of them made 
uh, top 64, some crazy conversion rate because the people that played Trevenant were just so rewarded for knowing that people were going to try to beat Pika Rom that day. Yeah. Um, and then I did a similar thing about a year later. Um, I actually made a flow chart to, to figure out that this would, that Trevenant would be the play. Um, it was either Trevenant or Agrow, and I brought Trevenant. It was the spoiler. It was the tournament Agrow one. Um, okay. so, <laughs> so it was uh, Richmond, Virginia Regionals 2019. It was like over a year ago at this point. But um, Turbo Dark was the deck to beat. Yeah. Trevenant cannot beat Turbo Dark. But what beats Turbo Dark? Well, Night March beats it. Buzzgarb Shrine beats it. Any random fighting deck beats it. Trevenant has an auto win against all of those. Let's play Trevenant. So yeah. sometimes you have to take the this. This is like choice A. Take like what or what I like to do. Uh, find what every find a deck that everybody's trying to beat. And if literally everybody is trying to beat it, there will be enough of a population of those counter decks that you just play the counter to the counter because yeah. the counter deck is more popular than the actual best deck itself. And then you just have all these free matchups walking around because nobody's <laughs> playing the counter to the counter to the counter to the counter. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other, the, now this, this one is like the easier solution. If you can, if there's a deck that beats the best deck and what beats it, like, so yeah. that's, that's what you try to figure out at that point. Um, and if you can't do that, you just make a, a rogue deck like I did with uh, Spear Tomb Evil Tall GX yeah. um, for the Limitless Invitational. And uh, so I actually played that in Limitless Qualifier 4, and I lost my winning in, and nobody even knew about the deck except my friend Kevin. And yeah. he was like, I like this deck. It's different. I'm going to practice it for the Limitless Invitational. And then Kevin and I both ended up playing like two cards off of each other for that deck and got first and second with it and it wasn't yeah. even like a oh these everything's weak to dark we're playing this or so that one was a much more complicated one the trevenant one's kind of a really simple example to introduce you to metagaming like <laughs> it's resistant to fighting fighting's weak to it it's a single prize deck it locks items you can beat all these things really easily whereas the spear tomb deck was just like let's cram in an answer for everything and play it yeah that's super interesting. Now, as far as um, going into any specific meta, uh, and you're playing either the counter to the counter or the the meta, like when you look at a field and or a projected field, and you see like percentage of playing uh, like each deck, what like so say like the like Picaram is is like fifteen percent play, played or projected played. Would you kind of shy away from specific decks um, based on that number, or what is, I guess, that sweet spot of like percentage of the decks that you you would kind of shy away from? Okay, so the online environment is actually a lot different right now because yeah. there's a tournament literally every day. Like I'm not even exaggerating. There's a yeah, there's tournament probably one going right now <laughs> every day. Yeah. Um, w with a good amount of people in it too. Like these aren't eight person tournaments, right? They're like a um, hundred something, you know, yeah, easily. every day. So the meta, like it is so rapid, the acceleration of the meta game right now. And even though I don't like the format, the actual gameplay of it, I find it very interesting to watch the meta game evolve. Um, yeah. So like you'll notice it takes two really good performances in a row from Decidueye mm -hmm. for people to start teching against it and Decidueye falls off. Yeah. Um, right. It takes a cup. It takes like a string of, a, of uh, 
good conversion rates and performances of Mewtwo for Mimikyu shadow box to start popping back up. Like there was yep. a colossal deck with two Mimikyu shadow boxes, I think just because like, Oh, Mewtwo has been popular. We're throwing this in now and people <laughs> will just naturally start doing that. Um, hammers faded away for a couple weeks and now they're back because Eternatus is back and Eternatus yeah. just loses to a hammers flip. Yeah, um, Luke metal was nowhere because there was so much fire. And then, uh Santa Scorch fell off because Eternatus was coming back and now Luke Metal comes back. So yeah. but you it's gonna cycle. Like in a month from now, we might be in the same exact space. Like, oh, Decidui just got countered, so this deck is coming back and this one's falling off. Sure. Um Right. We but, saw this with Players Cup too, actually. When we were Jake and I were reporting as it was going on, like each week, I, I think at one point like it was Eternatus was real huge and Torkoal V, I, I did it. I took Torkoal V and just the deny energy on Eternatus. Mm -hmm. And I took two turn events because of that, because I just, if I faced Eternatus three times in a row, I had that game. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and then, but then the very next week, ADP surged. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. And then that's kind of when I saw my success uh, kind of come back. Cause I played the, uh, the, the greens uh, Magneton uh, Senescorch cause ADP was everywhere. And literally you don't really lose to that matchup just mm -hmm. because you don't, he plays uh, them all while and it doesn't do anything and you just one shot everything and you don't have a bench for them to do the boss boss win. So I think I took like four or five in a row just because I hit it that deck at the exact perfect time, I think. Yeah. Uh, when that was the deck, uh, the ADP was the deck of choice at that point. Yep. Yeah, so the online meta is interesting and definitely different than when we have a real life circuit going on. Um, but I think your original question was about like the 15% peak around. Like yeah. I have just always been the player that will do everything I can to not play the number one deck because I don't want to run into the counters. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely different if it's the number one deck, like the first big event. So like when a new set yeah. comes out and we have a regionals next week and there's no results and like you've kind of, you and your gr group have kind of agreed on what the best deck is. That's a little different. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. go nuts. Play, play Pika, play ADPZ, play, play the, the tier one best deck, whatever. Yeah. Um, but once a deck has, is on the radar and has a target, um, I try not to play it um, unless I just keep it as the default. Like I'll, so yeah. I'll be like, okay, there's already a list. This list got first place last week in a 200-person tournament. I know it's good. I don't have to test that deck anymore. I'm going to mm -hmm. see what else I can do to beat that and the things beating it. If I can't find anything, I'll just default to the good deck because I know it's good. Um, and yeah. that's exactly what I did uh, yesterday for the Tablemon Challenge. Uh, I took the first place option list from the second table mon challenge. I was like, okay, great. I have that deck. I know it's good. It's consistent. It won a tournament, but I want to try to beat Zashin while also beating the things beating Zashin. So yeah. I spent the week working on those decks. I didn't get any of them to where the, I wanted them to be. So I just went back to Zashin. Yeah. Um, Zashin ended up winning the tournament. I did horribly because I hit a Cinderace and I hit a Decidueye and I drew poorly <laughs> against it. I hit a Mad Party and did an attack until turn four. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. I played in that tournament as well. I played the the baby booms, and the uh, the week before, I was super close to making cut, and then I just uh, I I won, uh, I lost to Zashin round one. The uh, round two, my opponent didn't show up, and then round three, I was playing Little Dark Fury, and he had some uh, colossal Senescorch, and I'm like, oh, Senescorch isn't gonna be there because Welder's gone. Mm -hmm. Nope. Uh, he got up and running at like four energies with 
with Cinderace uh, round or second round. So I was like, yeah, well, there goes my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, um, in that case, like a perfect example, the table one challenges, cause you can go and play it out limitless and look at them uh, like one, two and three. Zashin was the big deck. It dominated the first one. In the second yeah. one, some brave soul brought Cinderace and got top eight. And now everybody's like Cinderace, Philip yeah. Schultz and Robin Schultz brought Cinderace this week. Now yeah. Cinderace is the deck beating the best deck. Um, and it was really exciting to see that meta develop for me. Cause that's what I live for. Um, yeah. But that's a perfect example. Like I will, typically try not to play the best deck because i know it's about to be countered yeah but i also don't just want to play the vanilla counter to it because i know people already know about that and i want to beat i've i either want to bring a deck that is foolproof and will beat the counter and the best deck yeah or i want to play the best deck because in that situation i knew cinderace wouldn't outweighed the Zashins. Like I was talking about Trevenant. Like, oh, I don't care about the loss of Turbo Dark because the counters are going to outweigh Turbo Dark. Mm-hmm. Here I knew Zashin would still be the most popular. There wouldn't be 50 Cinderace and only 20 Zashin because people yeah. would stick to Zashin. Now for the next Tablemon challenge, I'm actually thinking it might be more valuable to counter Cinderace than it is Zashin because yeah, I, I think Cinderace is really going to pop off. Decidueye is going to be super low because it auto loses to Cinderace. Um, so yeah, trying to map out the metagame for these tournaments are really exciting to me. Yeah, that, that, that's the, the biggest uh, takeaway I have, too. It just is so much um, you know, thought that goes into just the meta choice that you make compared to just like the regular standard where you're just basically playing like four decks and that's basically it. Yeah, seeing who whiffs an energy, seeing who hits a hammer. Yeah. Seeing who whiffs the boss, something like that. Yep. Cool. So yeah, that that's a lot of great insight as far as just um, tips to get better uh, in, in many different facets. Um, yeah, we don't want to give sure. away all of the secrets because no, no, for sure, <laughs> no, that's the most want, high we, level stuff. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so, but that's why you know we, we again we really appreciate you coming on and just being able to chat about this stuff too because again there's there's a lot you know there's a lot here and there's a lot of good stuff that you know you said you you got to get it almost you got to get one-on-one you got to get team involved and you know that that's those are some of those key takeaways that um again newer players or even newer competitor players uh have a tough time realizing right now i think so you know that's again you know we're we're seeing it pay off really well with jake here (laughs) he comes in and kicks all of our butts (laughs) if you don't mind me adding in one other thing i made a video about it like a last month or two months ago don't be afraid to net deck like just just net deck nothing's wrong with net decking if you're new go take a deck that somebody who's been playing this game for years and won a tournament with made and work on that first like if you Mm want to win obviously i always encourage like oh you're having fun build whatever the heck you want yeah it doesn't matter if you're having fun but if you want to go in with the expectations of doing well or at least learning how to do well with a good deck don't be afraid to net deck you don't have to do anything crazy yeah for sure and i want to add to that like if like so like back about a year ago i you know just in game tournaments on ptcgo um i posted oh yeah i won my first tournament and somebody's like oh what do you win with i was like well i won with pico and you know i'm a new player and they're like well you're expected to win like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything don't shame people right. for playing a meta deck there's nothing wrong with it like just because yeah. you want to come up with home sauce like cool awesome but if somebody wins with meta don't don't 
don't shame somebody for other than eighty percent. No, I kid. I joke. It's never good to shame anyone for how they, how they do it in a tournament at all. Like, sure. It still Especially... takes it still takes skill and thought. And even if the if if things were swinging your way, you know it you know it happens. It, it, there's still chance in this, but. Again, there's still thought that that player had to do to make sure that they were getting to the win condition that they needed for that day. For sure. Definitely takes a lot of skill and effort and time to figure that out. Yep. So I guess one more more thing I want to add before we uh, wrap this up. Um, Team challenges are... In the in you know in the middle of doing the most stores have done one. Um, They're going you know the next couple are coming up around the horizon after the holidays. Um, And it's talking about as far as like team collaboration is I I can't wait to you know collaborate with the people that make my local team and then just uh, competing against other teams. Do you want to do you want to add anything to the whole like team challenge topic? Yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting. I've been thinking about that myself um like i i haven't gotten into a team yet so i i shouldn't even be thinking that far ahead my mom won ours um uh but yeah like i think that's going to be super cool and i just i don't know i feel like it can be frustrating if like there's one of those people on that get onto the team like you said that like you know shames net decking or like has a problem with being corrected um because like if I get on a team, like I'm laying it straight, like, Hey guys, I'm here to win. And if you're doing something wrong, I'm going to let you know, like, (laughs) you know, like if I'm on a team, we're here to win. Like I want to have fun, but we're here to win. That's why we all qualified for this team. Um, But I think for the most part, most teams should have a good learning experience out of it. And um, I, I think it's a really good thing they're doing. So I hope everybody has a good experience with it. It should be like a pretty fun, semi-competitive kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be uh, great, especially with all these newer people in, in the community. Um, just being able to compete with your local guys is, is such a, a, such a thrill. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if like anybody from like that has just gotten in during yeah. the pandemic got into the game recently and then they're like you know already making friends through this i mean even people that don't make the qualifiers i've seen like you know the community grow in like the discord of the qualifier i played in a couple weeks ago so like yeah it's cool for sure all right before we get to the plugging though we have to we actually have to take a small break and go to our whimsy watch Hello, Charlie here with another Whimsy Watch for you this week. We had another full week of tournaments, and they were some large ones out there. So let's go right into it. Let's see what we can break down first. Going with the biggest one first, let's look at the Limitless Qualifier number 12. There's 250 participants in this one. Um, Now, of those 250 uh, participants, 54 of them played ADP. Then we had 29 Picarom decks as well as 29 Lucario, Melmetal, and Zashian decks. And then in fourth spot, we had Senescorch uh, with 23 of them. So you see a lot of ADP, a lot of Picarom, Luke Metal coming back. Next, going into the next one. Uh, the next biggest one was the Chill Series number 12. It was 185 players this week. Uh, ADP again taking the top spot with 32 players playing it. Then we had P. 
Picaram, 22 players, and a tie for third with Senescorch and Eternatus on this one. 18 players apiece. Uh, the next third biggest tournament was the Hagster number 14. This was Monday's Hagster. Uh, it was 169 players. ADP wins the day on, on MetaShare again with 29 players on that one. Picaram, 26 players. Third place was Lucario, Melbetal, and Zashian again with 20 players. So as you can see, there's a lot of a high number of players in, in the tournaments. Everything was over, of all the ones I looked at, it was, they were all over 100 players. We had a bunch of tournaments over 150. So it was a, it was a busy week for Pokemon playing. And uh, of those trends that we're looking at, of these uh, of these tournaments, Lucario Melmetal came in a little bit of resurgence. Uh, I saw his MetaShare uptick this week. Uh, from where it was going more on a downturn the last previous weeks. Another uh, uptick this week we saw was uh, Reshiram and Charizard. Uh, big uptick from what we've usually been seeing in hit with him. Uh, but So we have another fire deck to contend with. Uh, it was making a couple cuts too, so he can contend. Uh, of the overall week-long MetaShare, uh, ADP did win the whole MetaShare week. Uh, Picaron was the second most popular deck. Senescorch took third place uh, with Lucario, Melmetal, and Zashian close behind. So those are your top four decks played this week. Um, usual top three, Senescorch. Uh, uh, the big thing is Lucario, Melmetal jumping back up. Uh, usually you might see an Eternatus or Blacephalon in that spot. Uh, they just dropped down a tick where Lucario, Melmetal jumped up this week. Now, let's look at something a little differently. Be that we just announced a new Players' Cup 3, I figured let's look at a deck that you might want to play for the Players' Cup 3. Let's highlight a little bit on Picaram. Now, Picaram was the, obviously this week, was the number two deck of the meta share. He's been a top contender week after week of the meta share. And why I think why the watch thinks you should look into possibly playing him for your Players' Cup 3 run. Um, mostly because it's always a top performer in in tournaments. Um, of the... Be that it's a popular deck, so it has a lot of meta share and a lot of players, but it still has a good cut rate. So when you're looking at these top cuts uh, and how Picaram consistently makes them looking at this week's top cuts of all the slots available 20% of them were filled by a Picaram deck so that's a lot of Picaram decks making top cut it was the highest percentage of all decks played of decks that make the cut on top of that it also won four of the tournaments that I looked at this week which is far and above uh, what any, anything else would win and even looking back, it consistently wins big tournaments. So it's good at making the cut, and it's good at winning the full tournament, which is why, possibly, you might want to look into uh, using Picaram for your uh, Players' Cup 3 run. So that was a little different take for me. Uh, I know uh, the holidays are coming up, so I just wanted to say happy holidays to everybody. As always, keep listening here to find out what's being played out there. All right, Chuck, that was great. 
Hey, so Luke, you know, we're pretty much here. We're wrapping up here at the end of this episode and stuff. Uh, you know, you got any, you know, where can, where can people find you? Plug away. We got to, you know, we got to get you know, the name out still. Not that we really need to with you, but again, you know, for people who are just tuning in and learning the game and stuff, where can they find you? Where can they find you as a coach? And uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so you can find my YouTube channel, which is my main content, uh, Celio's Network, youtube.com slash C slash Celio's Network. Um, my Twitter is Celio's underscore network. And um, I have a link tree on my Twitter, which has everything you could want from my Patreon to kind of my document that just outlines what I do in coaching to my Celio's Network merchandise. The link tree on my Twitter has everything. Um, my Patreon, if you heard me talk about it during this podcast at the moment, I just charge $3 a month to read my couple articles and, um, all my patrons are open to back and forth messaging with me, sending me gameplay videos for me to review, whatever it is. And you get a discount on coaching as well. Um, and I also stream on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Celio's Network whenever I can. Over the winter break, I'm trying to stream more because during the spring, I don't know how much, if any, I'll be able to stream. And mm-hmm. when I'm streaming, it's usually PTCGO. Um, and also shout out my wonderful sponsor, potownstore.com, because uh, they've we've been working together for over a year now. And uh, they're like an insanely good sponsor. Uh, they really take care of me and uh, they're a great source for if you're trying to build decks on PTCGO because they typically have every PTCGO product you can imagine wanting for standard format in stock over yeah. there. And uh, you can use code Celio for 5% off at checkout at Potown store. Thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We, you know, we, we had such a good time learning from you and, you know, getting to you know, know how you got into this, you know, in, in, into coaching and your take on it too. So again, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. I think Jake, I think that does it for this week's episode. Uh, we have just a, one more quick announcement is we're going to actually, after this week, we have a special award show coming up for the end of the year. Yes, I'm excited for it. We're, uh, we have a few categories that we're still trying to, to really hammer down. But um, I'm excited uh, to see what you guys think of the, the awards that we've come up with. All right. Well, that does it for us here today. So thank you all again for joining us. And uh, thank you again to Luke for coming on as a, our special guest this week. For sure. Thanks again for, for coming, Luke. Absolutely. Thank you again for listening to Triple P. The best way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. You can leave us a comment or question on Twitter at PitPokeyPod or on the Triple P Facebook page. We also stream box openings online and live play at twitch.tv slash Duke of Hobbies. There you can earn TCGO codes and more. If you have made or know any Pokemon artists, send us a message and we will feature an artist each episode. Gotta catch them all.